welcome to the TriStar Church Podcast. We're so glad that you have tuned in today. My name is Matt Grimes, lead pastor of TriStar Church, and I want to encourage you to like and follow us on social media, as well as subscribe to our podcast. You'll find weekly sermons, midweek deep dives, and more right here every single week. I pray that you're challenged and encouraged as you listen, not just to the words that are spoken, but to the Holy Spirit who is speaking to you through this resource. Now let's dive in. We're excited you're here. Uh, It's going to be a great time. As Tanner mentioned earlier, we are diving into the book of Genesis this year. Um, And so what we're going to do is through May, uh, we will uh, will, uh, run our way through Genesis. We'll take a break in the summer, uh, and we're going to jump into, uh, uh, I believe it's uh, 1 Timothy. Um, And then after that, we'll come back in the fall, and we'll pick up the rest of Genesis, making it all the way uh, through uh, Joseph and uh, his time in in in, uh, Egypt. And so it's going to be a a great time for us together. And here's my hope. Uh, uh, Really, the the goal of this is for us to see the gospel uh, throughout the book of Genesis. Um, And that's the way we ought to read everything that we read in the Old Testament. We don't go back and uh, read it uh, uh, just for history purpose. No, we go back and we read the Old Testament in light of Jesus, in light of the gospel. Uh, It is the pre-story uh, to our story, the New Testament. If you're a Harry Potter fan, uh, the Old Testament is uh, 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 the, uh, uh, oh gosh, my mind just went, uh, Fantastic Beast and Where to Find Them, right? It's the pre-story and gives you so much more information. If you've watched all of Harry Potter and you go back and you watch uh, Fantastic Beast and Where to Find Them, you're like, oh my gosh, that is so cool, right? And those are going to be the moments that we have when we go through Genesis together. You're going to go, wow, I never thought about that. Um, When you read with the gospel in mind, and that is our goal as we're going to work all throughout uh, Genesis. Genesis simply means origins. Um, It is the start. It is the starting point. It's the beginning uh, of everything that is around us. Genesis is where uh, we find some pretty amazing stories. You find Adam and Eve. Uh, You're going to find Cain and Abel, if you remember that. Noah and the ark. Uh, Abraham and Isaac. You're going to find a sharp-dressed dreamer named Joseph uh, later who is going to lead us to the end of Genesis. And on its own, the book of Genesis is kind of like the, the, the string of like epic stories. Like uh, uh, the greatest storyteller of all time put together a book, and that is Genesis. But some of these are really kind of like tragic sagas of how people just continue to get it wrong despite God's intentions for them and God's faithfulness to them. They continue to get it wrong time and time and time again, and yet God proves himself faithful through it. We're going to see that theme play out throughout all of Genesis as we study through it uh, this year. But Genesis is not a a standalone book. In fact, it's the first uh, in an installment of kind of five books that we call the Torah. Uh, This would have been, uh, if you're familiar with Old Testament uh, Jewish customs and traditions, this was their version of the Bible. This was their scriptures. Um, It is the foundational work for uh, the Old Testament. It's believed to be written by Moses, who also authored the rest of the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and uh, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Um, And it is the origin story. It's how the nation of Israel came to be. It's how its population was brought together, its land, its religion was established. 
And so in Genesis, you're going to see the story of God. You're going to see his affection for mankind. You're going to see man's rebellion in the face of God's affection for them. And you're going to find God's faithfulness demonstrated time and time and time again, even though man chooses to rebel against God and his plans for them. And you're going to see this over and over and over. In fact, Genesis is not only the origin story for the world and creation and everything we see around us. Genesis is the origin story of God's redemptive story with mankind. From the very beginning, like I, I, I want us to get our minds like around this, uh, and it's hard sometimes to wrap our mind around this idea. God didn't create the gospel. He didn't create Jesus in the story of redemption that Jesus is as a plan B. It was God's plan the whole time. Before God created the sun, before God created the animals, before he created the dry ground and he created us, he knew this was the story he was going to tell. And so from the very beginning in Genesis, we're going to see God's redemptive story start to take shape. And if we look beyond uh, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, we look beyond Genesis, what we're going to see is that Genesis is the backdrop to so many important theological principles that we hold dear in the New Testament and that Jesus taught us as well. We're going to see throughout Genesis that, that God has authority over all the world. We're going to see that man has a, a natural inclination to rebel against God's order, to rebel against uh, God's directions. And we're going to find hints of God's plan to redeem creation back to himself all throughout it. And so Moses writes Genesis for the people of Israel, likely as they were slaves uh, in, in Egypt. Um, and it would have been an, an encouragement to them to help them to understand where they came from, to, to see the faithfulness of God having been demonstrated to them in the past. It would have been an encouragement to them as they are exiles in a foreign land. Now, Genesis is extraordinary in that it covers the most vast amount of time out of any other book in the Bible. From Genesis 1 all the way to the end, uh, it covers a span of about 2,400 years. It's a longer span of time than the rest of all Scripture put together. Like, the, <laughs> that is insane. But it is the, the longest amount of time to be covered by any book in the Bible. And so let's jump in. And what I want us to see as we jump into today, Genesis chapter 1 is where we're going to be, um, is we're wanting to look to see where we find Jesus in the creation account. And as we see Jesus in the creation story, we're going to discover two important pillars that we should build our faith on as Christians today. They're going to be two important pillars for us for our faith um, today. Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning, and this was the first day. We don't know 
exactly at what time this was. Uh, there's a lot of debate, uh, depending on whether you're a young earth or old earth uh, 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 viewpoint. We're not going to jump into that. We're not going to debate that. That's not our purposes uh, for today. But if you look at Scripture and you take just the genealogy listed for us in Scripture, this is somewhere in the ballpark of six to 10,000 uh, years ago. And while we don't know the exact time period, what Scripture is very clear about, what Moses is very clear in giving us, is exactly who was there. Moses tells us God was there. And more importantly, not just God the Father, but God uh, uh, the Holy Spirit and Jesus. The entire Trinity is present within creation. We see God the Father We see Jesus as the Word, and we see God, the Holy Spirit. All are critical in the creation account. And it's important to note that God is an eternal being. He has no beginning. He has no end. God was not created. He is the author, and he is the creator of all things. And so we begin with God. In a void and formless earth that it is obvious we have to read into this a little bit. He must have created at some point before this. Because it's here and it exists. And what's interesting is that Moses tells us that it is covered in darkness. Now some translate this idea here in this verse as the earth became without form and void. That something happened uh, uh, to to cause the earth to be without form and to be void. Uh, The thinking is that uh, originally it was created uh, not without form and not void, but that something happened to make it void and without form. And many scholars believe that what that was uh, was the destructive forces of Satan. A lot of them believe that in between verses 1 and verses 2, that this is the time period that if you move forward into some of the Old Testament and you read it, talk about Satan being cast from heaven, that in between verses 1 and 2 is likely when Satan would have been cast out of heaven to earth, and that the darkness talked about here in these verses is representative of uh, the destructive work of Satan here upon uh, the earth. And that is the resistance to the moving of the Holy Spirit that Moses talks about here in the beginning of Genesis. And so how does God create? Simply by speaking. I love that. He doesn't have to lift a finger. He doesn't have to make anything. He simply opens his mouth and he speaks. And unlike with your kids, when God speaks, whatever he speaks happens, right? It's not like when we tell our kids, hey, go do this, and then they talk back to us and don't do it. No, it's in the nature of God. When he speaks, it happens. Psalm 33, verse 6 through 9 says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap, and he puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him, for he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The majesty of God to simply speak and light existed. Now notice something uh, unique here is that God creates light without the sun. God's not created the sun and moon at this point yet, but he speaks light into existence. Why is this important? Because light has a supernatural existence because it existed before the sun. 
It's representing Jesus himself as the light. God as the light. And so from the very beginning, in the the very first five verses of the Genesis creation account, the origin story of all mankind, God is foreshadowing his redemptive story that he is going to tell with mankind, that out of the corrupted, formless, void darkness, God is bringing forth a glorious light that will be hope to man and give life to the world around it and to all things. So from the very beginning, the very first thing God does before he creates a tree, before he creates an animal, before he creates a speck of dirt, before he breathes life into mankind, the very first thing that God does is to demonstrate his redemptive story that he's planning to tell with this creation that he is about to create. Jesus was not plan B. God did not create the world as plan A and oops, man messed it up and God had to run back to the drawing board and figure out plan B. From the very beginning, God understood all that was going to happen and he made a plan to redeem his creation. Genesis 1.6. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters. Can we say water a few more times? That were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second Day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so, and God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together, the seas, and God saw that it was good. On the second day, God begins to uh, separate the water, creating what we know as the atmosphere. The best way I know to describe this is like it's a giant ball, and there is water here, and then above what we would know as a, a sea level was also water. And so on the second day, God creates a separation between there that is the air that we breathe today. It is an atmosphere. Scripture calls it a, a, a firmament, which is translated as an expanse or a space. And so there was the water that was in the ocean and God created then dry land for man to inhabit. And then there are seas and there are oceans and now there's this void space. But above that, what most scholars believe at this time was what was called like a water vapor, almost like a water blanket that, uh, that contained tons of water within it was our, uh, in our atmosphere. And such a vapor blanket would have greatly changed the ecology of the earth in, in, in several ways. One, it would have kind of acted like a global greenhouse, meaning that it would have been the same exact temperature all over the world. A pleasant, tropical kind of feel throughout the world. Without these variations in temperature, there would be no winds and there wouldn't be uh, the water and rain cycle that we know today. And so there would be no rain. Amen? On a day like today, that would be great if we had no rain. There was no rain. This vapor blanket would have done something else extraordinary. It would have filtered out the ultraviolet radiation coming in from the sun 
and other destructive energies that we, we know that often cause mutations and they decrease human life and longevity. And so human life would have flourished. Animal life would have increased and flourished as well. Now, what's interesting is that if you go back and you read Genesis, at this point in Genesis, you will notice that people lived a really, really, really long time. In fact, if you go back and, and you read uh, the accounts of guys like, uh, 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 if you go back and read about uh, at the beginning uh, in, in this, that these guys lived a long, long time, eight to, to 900 years. When you get to the flood and you start talking about people like Noah who existed pre-flood and who existed post-flood, what you're going to see is that the lifespan was reduced. And they began to live around 600 years. And by the time you get to a guy named Abraham, their lifespan was more along the time period of 120 years. What happened? Well, a lot of researchers and scholars believe that that vapor blanket that we talked about, that water barrier that was there, it was a necessary uh, uh, component needed to provide the worldwide flood that Noah experienced. And that when it dissipated and when it released and it flooded the earth, that it was gone. And now you begin to see a reduction in human life. What is amazing is that in the creation story, we see that God is sovereign to plan for each step of his redemptive story. Every step along the way, God is planning. When God created the expanse, he created the needed elements for the flood that would ultimately come and destroy the entire earth because of man's sinfulness and their rebellion towards him. To continue to tell the story of his redemptive plan for mankind. This was the second day and it was good. Genesis 11 or 111. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seeds and fruit trees bearing fruit and which is, the, which is their seed according to its, uh, to its kind. And on earth, and it was so, and the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seeds according to their own kinds and trees bearing fruit, which is their seed and according to its kind. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the third day. So God has created continents uh, and islands to appear. And the third day now God creates on these dry uh, uh, portions of land and ground. He begins to create plant life. Begins to create flowers and trees and plants that would pr uh, produce uh, sustenance and food for man and for animals that would come ultimately. And what is unique about uh, this part of creation is that it's the first time God creates something with the ability to give life to something else. What does he say? He doesn't just create plants. He creates plants that have seeds that can get, bring forth and yield life in return. What's interesting is what day does he do this on? The third day. Interestingly enough, what day was Jesus resurrected on? The third day. It was the third day that Jesus was resurrected from the grave and in that moment could offer new life to any and to all who would trust in him, to anyone who would bow their knee and confess that he is Lord and accept the gift of salvation that he would give. He would give life eternally to them. 
I love the parallel, even in the small detail of the redemptive story that God was going to tell through Jesus. And God said, this is good, verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be signs and for seasons and for days and years and let them be lights in the expanse of heaven and the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the other the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the fourth day. God creates on the fourth day uh, two different things, the sun and the moon, and they help us to keep track of our times. We look at, you, you, you can tell time, but just by looking at the sun and the moon, right? The stars that are in the sky would become